0: That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast indeed.com slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed.
1: Before we get started with this episode of benched with Bubba, let me talk to you about a couple things. First, being draft. Draft.com, draft in your app store, a great way to play fantasy sports. They do snake style drafts just the way you like it. They've introduced auction drafts, and they are home to the best ball drafts that everybody loves. NFL playoff best balls are just getting started. They have NBA best balls. They'll have MLB. And then, if you just like your daily stuff, they got NFL, NBA, NHL, PGA, MLB. And it's great because when you draft, you're the only one that owns them. No one else owns them. It's perfect. And if you're new to draft, go check, uh, use promo code SD Sports at checkout. SD as in Dog Sports. And you get entry into a free $3 tournament of your choice. It can be for a best ball, it can be for anything. So go check it out draft.com, draft in your app store, promo code SD Sports. Also, if you can give me a rate and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the show, but preferably on iTunes, much, much appreciate it. Give it a like button over on YouTube, whatever you prefer, but it would help me out a ton and go a long, long ways. But with that being said, welcome to Bench with Bubba, episode 136 with Colin Weatherwax, friends with fantasy benefits, talking some MLB fantasy baseball. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 136. We're going to talk some fantasy baseball. and In order to do so, joined by a member of Friends with Fantasy Benefits. You can find him on Twitter, at CWeatherWax13. Colin Weatherwax, how are we doing, man?
2: Doing good. How's it going, Bubba?
1: Good, good. Thanks for, uh, for joining me tonight. It's been uh, fun getting ready for this, and baseball coming around. Football's over. I know you uh, had a lot going on in football, so it was fun getting to do that. But it's baseball season, my friend.
2: Yeah, I can't wait. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem. Before we get into kind of the uh,
1: the outline we got going here, what uh, I know you guys got some fun stuff coming down the pipe there at Friends of Fantasy Benefits. Give people a little glimpse into what you got going on.
2: Yeah, so like you said, uh, football's kind of over now. We're all... Kind of gearing up for the baseball season, um, we we have basically every staff member on the Friends of Fr- uh, Friends of Fantasy Benefits Draft Guide. Uh, everyone writing articles, everyone getting team previews out uh, before some of the big free agents sign, but we'll be able to edit those once once they do sign. Uh, for myself, I just got done writing the Texas Rangers piece uh, for the draft guide. Uh, me and my buddy Randy Haynes, who I know has been on your podcast before. Uh, we got a few team preview podcasts lined up uh, to to get out there for the public. And like you said, I mean, we're just ready and fired up to get ready for baseball season. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I was talking with Justin uh, Mason, your guy,
1: a couple days ago. And uh, when you guys get the the um, the guide out there, he's going to come on the show and pump it up for you guys and do all that. And then um, I, I know I t- uh, saw Walter and the boys started with the Orioles. So like just for fun here, because we can spitball. Um, is it going to be more depressing recording the Orioles podcast like Walter had to, or when you have to record the the Rangers podcast?
2: Uh, I don't think it'll be that bad. I mean, the Rangers (laughs) is pretty bad, especially whenever we get to the pitching portion. Uh, I think we might just focus on the order, like just just the batting lineup. Uh, We'll just kind of skip over the rotation, because whenever you start to see Lance Lynn, Edison Volquez, Drew Smiley, I mean, it kind of gets pretty depressing, but – Whenever you're on the Orioles and you only have Jonathan VR to talk about, I mean, it, it can't get much worse than that. Yeah, I think Shimada tweeted out something he had um, Cedric Mullins and he wanted to hear about. Him. I'm like, wow, that just tells you everything <laughs> you know
1: right there. Yeah, um, the
2: leadoff hitter, the 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 only guy that's probably going to get drafted besides VR on that on that team. I mean, it's pretty bad. It's real bad. You mentioned Lance
1: Lynn. I know we kind of talked about it on Twitter a little bit, and you know, you listen to false spores of the world and a bunch of other guys that know pitching way better than I do. They're trying to stay optimistic about Lance Lynn, you know, second half of the Yankees and all that kind of good stuff. As a Rangers fan, you know, ten million dollars a year in this market, yeah, it's not horrible. But as a Rangers fan, what's your thoughts on Lance Lynn?
2: I hate it. I mean, I don't understand why you sign him to a three-year deal. I mean, a one-year deal makes sense because you could probably flip him at the trade deadline, like what happened last year when he was with Minnesota. But a little uh, glimpse into my draft guide piece uh, about the Rangers—I won't give it all away—but the Minnesota Twins ballpark, especially the outfield, favorably, um, you know, compares to the one in Arlington. So his stats in Minnesota were not good. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they, they kind of evened out whenever he went to the Yankees, especially the wins. And then the ERA kind of leveled out uh, a little bit. So that being said, I, I see a lot of um, what he did in Minnesota coming to to Texas, which is not appealing, especially for fantasy owners. Um, he's a guy that maybe in a draft and hold you pick just, just for the innings and um, possibly for a good matchup here and there. But it's going to be brutal if you if you're wanting to own them, especially any Texas Ranger pitcher, actually in uh, in 2019. Yeah, let's just hope you know we'll, we'll get the early bad Twins numbers to
1: lack of spring training. Let's just hope it's something like that. But uh, sure, yeah, 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 we can go with that now. It, yeah, whatever makes people sleep at night, because all I know is Texas in the summertime. As you obviously know. Lynn might have some rough ones. That's a player I'm so looking forward to these games. Give me the cheap (laughs) Oakland A's in Arlington or Mike Trout in Arlington. I'll pay $7,000 for it. Uh, It'll be amazing.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be a great matchup for DFS, that's for sure.
1: All all right, enough Rangers talk because if you ever want to bash on the Giants, just let me know. I know you probably, but I'm dealing with it too. So I get it. But uh, let's get into some recent transactions. The last few shows have been pretty jam packed with uh, a lot going on, but then the holidays happened. And GMs apparently do like their families. So that slowed things down a little bit. Uh, but Jonathan Lucroy, to the Anaheim Angels, very affordable deal, $3.5 a half million, bunch of incentives. We're here for the fantasy baseball talk. The Angels needed a catcher. What's your thoughts on Lucroy?
2: They definitely needed a catcher, but... I mean, he, he doesn't really provide very much, um, you know, going back to, I mean, we're just going to jump on the Texas Rangers bandwagon for a little bit and just say how awful he was with the Rangers. Um, and if you can't perform with the Rangers, it's going to be pretty difficult, you know, to do that in LA. Uh, the lineup is decent, uh, but he's going to be bottom, batting towards the bottom of it. Uh, he hasn't shown very much as far as offense the past couple of years with athletics uh, with the Rangers and the Rockies, uh, everyone thought, you know, coming to the Rangers, going to the Rockies. OK, this is the time. This is the time. Coming off of his great year, you know, in 2016 with the Brewers and Rangers split up. He had 24 home runs, 81 RBIs, batted 292. But I mean, it, it just hasn't been there for this guy. So he's he's a guy that in a two catcher league, he's going to have uh, some value. He He can you know, he's going to be out there most of the games as long as he's healthy. So as long as he's out there, he's going to be viable in a two-catcher league. But in a one-catcher league, he's not going to be on my radar. Yeah, you look at a guy like Tulo, and you nailed it.
1: Two-catcher's league is about it. Pretty much this deal, it's a very good baseball deal for the Angels. But when it comes to fantasy baseball, pretty um, irrelevant for the most part, in my opinion. Um, when you look at the catcher's position, hes it, it's a very bad position as it is you got a guy like Johnny Lucroy, and you scroll down the NFDCs, you scroll down, he's 23rd catcher on 328. It's in a a no-man's land. It's like probably hoping you don't have to go. There's what it comes down to. All right, let's go Troy Tulowitzki. We'll save the best one for last next. We'll go to Tulo. Uh, you, You messaged me about this yesterday, the day before. I... I am excited about the opportunity here. I hate the Yankees with the passion, but, again, more baseball deal-wise, they're playing the league minimum salary until Didi gets healthy, so I don't see what the problem is. There's Yankee fans that hate this. But fantasy-wise, what's your thoughts on Tulo? He didn't even play last year because he had surgery on both of his feet.
2: If he's out there, I love this seal. Um, we had a joke going on in our chat uh, for friends with fantasy benefits about, okay, well, now they're out on Manny Machado because they signed too low. But, you know, like you said, it's a league minimum deal. Um, Blue Jays are still going to be paying him, so he doesn't have to go somewhere um, to get the big money. So going to the Yankees, like you said, it's it's a great fit. I mean, for DD to uh, kind of rest up, don't, don't have to rush back. Um, as as long as Tulo's out there, we have to see it in spring training. If he can get through spring training, no injuries, that ballpark is great for him. Um, I'm excited to see him. I, I really am. And I actually we I don't know if you've followed the the 30 team dynasty that we have in Friends of Fantasy Benefits. I actually reached out to the Tulowitzki owner and asked, you know, okay, what are you looking, you know, to to get in return for him? So I might be uh might be making a trade for him in the 30 team dynasty league. I like it. I like it because I agree with you. It's a great ballpark. Tulo's always had pretty good oppo power,
1: so now you can flip it out to the short porch. Um, you're getting a guy with everyday playing time. I, I've mentioned uh, in previous tweets and podcasts that early looks at ADPs, and that's, that's going to change. The shortstop position is really, really deep, like crazy deep. So you can wait on shortstops. And you know Tulo's going to be a starting shortstop for one of the best offenses in all of baseball, and he's going to pick 573. He's not getting drafted in a lot of leagues. Um, it, it's pretty, pretty crazy what's going to happen. That's probably going to go up, obviously. But you know he's going after guys like Miguel Rojas of the Miami Marlins. I'll take my chances on Tulo. Now, you mentioned when it comes to the fantasy aspect of it, and I, I don't mind it at all because, again, when you're talking about a 30-team fantasy league, you're going to get a starting shortstop for the New York Yankees. What are you – offering up in this situation. Hopefully the guys will listen to the podcast, but hopefully <laughs> um, what, like what's just like a parameter. What's an idea of what you'd be wanting for
2: too low in like a 30 team dynasty. league? So, I mean, in this 30 team dynasty, league, it, like I said, it's 30 teams. It's super deep. Um We, I think the the rounds went to like a thousand at least Uh we did this draft way back uh, right after the world series, but one of the guys, the owner, he, he put the message in the chat and said, Tulo on the block. I think he was saying it kind of just as a, a joke, but you know what? I took the bait. So I said, um, you know, what are you looking to get? And so I have NC Arte on my team. Uh, my other two outfielders are Mazzara, Um And then also have, I can't remember the other guy, but it's, it's another top tier. Oh, Benintendi. So NC Arte is obviously my outfielder number three. So he offered up Nick Williams, uh, Tulowitzki and maybe a lower level prospect for NC Arte. For me, I kind of like it. Um, It just depends on that that lower-level prospect. I have to look at his team. I had a super busy day at work, so I didn't have a chance to look at his prospects that he had. But NCRT might just run out of playing time, especially if they sign like Harper or if they sign another outfielder, if they make a trade or something like that. It's not that he's bad, but they... The, the Braves are going for it. So if they think they can improve their team, you know, any way possible, then I think that Ncarte could find his way out of that lineup. So he's kind of expendable for me. I did make a trade for him after the draft, but I'm not super connected to him. What do you think about that? I don't mind it at all. Different parts of it. Nick,
1: Nick Wilkins fan. It's been, you obviously know, but the talent levels there in a 13 dynasty at his age, and what you're doing with NCRT is you're selling high, like extremely high. Because, like you said, playing time is just going to slowly go down. Because I agree, it might not be Harper or whoever, but they're going to go sign at least one more outfielder. They're going to take Marquez's spot. you got a Cunha up there now. They're going to fill out that outfield pretty pretty well. And NCRT might slowly kind of fall out of love there. Maybe not this year, next year. But again, when you're making these deals, you got to think dynasty. Um, I, I, I don't hate it at all. Because even if NCRT has a good year, like I said, you just got him at his highest. His ceiling, I think, is what you saw last year, and you even saw it in the second half. You know, he burst onto the scene last. year, all those faces, raving about him everywhere you turn. That second half was pretty quiet, pretty darn quiet. And if if people were like look more at the um, first half, second half splits, or even go month to month or whatever compared to just the overall st- uh, stats, they're going to realize that something wasn't there or something's changed. Whatever it was, and so I don't hate it because I we kind of already hit on. I like the Tullo idea. You get, to get a good prospect out of it. It's interesting, and this is why I love dynasty leagues. I try not to do too many of them. <laughs> but I just got involved. I just got involved in the um, Ditka Sausage uh, Fantasy uh, Dynasty. I picked up somebody's team, that dropped it, and I've been a trade monster trying to fix things because they left me high and dry. But um, that's the kind of stuff you have to do. You have to kind of take chances on stuff like that, kind of looking ahead. So I don't hate it.
2: Yeah, and then kind of piggybacking off of losing playing time for NCR you you think about the signing for of Josh Donaldson. And so that kind of blocks Austin Riley, but you move Austin Riley to a corner outfielder. You slide Acuna over. Um, you also got Christian Patch in the in the minors, so they have some guys that they can bring up, especially if they're looking to you know make a World Series run, which I think they had the chance to do. Um, and and like you said, he can just find his. He could just be squeezed right out, and then just be traded to an awful situation like the Marlins as a contract dump or something like that, where his value is not. Anywhere near what it is now. Yeah, totally agree. So that'd be interesting to watch and I guess we'll be two of the maybe seven people watching Tulo very
1: closely this spring. <laughs> I, I think there's still something in the tank. I really
2: do. So Well, I mean, whenever you compare him to like Tyler Wade and the other guys that they're gonna be rolling out there while Didi oh, he's is better than all of them, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's whenever you compare him to those guys, like give me Troy. I mean, give me Tula even if he even if he plays half the time that Didi's out, he's gonna provide you something. Well, let's think about it. They rolled out Neil Walker
1: probably two thirds of the season last year. They'll roll out <laughs> Troy season too much. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it, that's not going to be the problem. So uh, <laughs> unless they sign Manny Machado, which is still very possible, then you can get slightly concerned. But until yeah. then, Tulo's the guy. All right, last big signing that has taken place. This was a big one, all things considered. Um, and I will butcher his name probably all preseason, but Yusei Kikuchi, Kikuchi, whatever his exact name was. I apologize, but. Uh, the lefty coming over from Japan. He's 27 years old. Uh, I've heard and read so many things the last two days trying to figure out uh, Got paid pretty well. It's a weird deal. Uh, there's a lot of back options. It Could be like a, or it's like a four year deal. It depends on how it works. We're worried about this season. He basically slots in as the number one, trying to take James Paxton spots. Um, it's interesting. Very interesting. There's a lot we could talk about here. But first off, what's your thoughts on Kikuchi?
2: I like the landing spot. Um, you know, like you said, he, he kind of steps right in as as the ace of the club, which is a little bit of pressure, but he's not coming in like uh, Daisuke Matsuzaka, who came in a, a few years ago um, where it's Boston, you have to perform, like get me to the World Series, you are our ace no matter what. Um, he, he's coming into a situation which, first of all, is probably one of the weirdest off seasons we've seen so far with um, you know the GM trading for guys, trading away guys, getting older guys, getting younger guys. Like I, I texted uh, Mike L. I don't know if you know Mike the Rotocop on Twitter. Um, he's a yeah. big Mariners fan. I was like, dude, what are y'all doing? Like, I don't understand what what your end game is with all these trades. But you know the signing of Kikuchi, um, it, it, it's probably one of the best landing spots for him. They have a lot of um, you know. They have a lot of experience with the the guys coming over from Japan, uh, Ichiro, of course. And then, you know, Felix being there could be good for him. Uh, I don't know about the language barrier, but he is 27. He's He had some great seasons over in Japan. I mean, just looking at the last two seasons, 217 strikeouts and 187 innings, uh, 153 strikeouts and 163 innings, lots of wins, which who really cares, but that's a lot of innings. It's a lot of production. It's, it's something to be excited about for the Mariners fans. Yeah, he's been very, very
1: productive. Um, the concerns I have is some stuff I was reading is he's been off and on with the left, so it kind of downplayed him two, uh, three years ago, but he, he got over it the last couple of years, so hopefully that's in the past. Um, other than that, he's been really, really good. The strikeouts were down a bit last year, but still 153 and 163, and he's not bad. The year before was insane. He's been very, very good over there and only 27 years old, so he's kind of what people say entering your pitching prime. So there, there's a lot to like there with him. Uh, some funny things I heard is now it'll the um, the Mariners have locked in having a Japanese player for like 15 to 20 years or something every year. <laughs> um, like even before each row they had somebody else. It's been crazy. And then the really cool part, because he's going to be probably one or two in this rotation, um, they opened the season against the A's in Japan. So he gets to have his first oh, no. start in Japan. So I think that's a pretty cool landing spot for him in that respect also. Like when you look at the uh, the Mariners starting five right now, it's Kikuchi, then Mike Leake, Marco Gonzalez, Felix Fernandez, Wade LeBlanc. It's according to roster resources. Um, I think Marco Gonzalez is probably the two, but maybe they switch up the lefties. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, he definitely slots in there really nicely. And it's like if you just did a blind resume, going, it's almost if you put his numbers next to James Paxton's numbers, his Japanese numbers, were-
2: there's a lot of similarities there. It's real scary, actually. All right, so you're going to take him at his ADP of Jane Paxton? Is that what you said? No, what I was saying,
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I, I was talking about his stats in Japan versus MLB stats. There's no way in hell I'm taking him as ADP as Paxton. Currently, his ADP is like 192. Yeah, you're What's going to your take eye him as SP-17.
2: Hand? I'm going to put you on the record for that.
1: Yeah, no, not happening. <laughs> um, but right now, it's like you got Quintana, Kikuchi, and Nukem all going in the same grouping there.
2: Three lefties, ironically, but what are your thoughts on those? Like three when you when you look at the draft. So I know me and you—we've probably done a few best balls so far. Uh, I've done, I think, three or four, maybe even five. I don't know. I have a problem, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> I, I've actually ended up with a lot of Sean Newcomb, and I don't know why. I, I just feel like he's falling a little bit too much for for my taste. Um, so between those three, I think I'll go Newcomb, but Kikuchi is right there uh, in the second or third. You know, between those three, but I really like Newcomb this year. Yeah, uh, Newcomb. I'm wondering if he's going to make that
1: next step. But there's a lot to like with him. I liked him a lot last year, so that could definitely be something to, uh, to keep an eye on. I don't, I don't hate it at all. All right, let's do some NFC ADP debates. Those will probably open up much, much more in the discussion profile. But one that I saw recently on the good old Twitter sphere was Eugenio Suarez versus Anthony Rendon. It's kind of like. I think it's third baseman five versus third baseman six. or it all depends on how you look at it. In my first set of rankings, it's actually third baseman seven versus third baseman eight, Rendon seven, Suarez eight, going about 49th and 51st overall for the most part. I had Suarez ahead of Rendon in my personal rankings, but um, to me, like I, I mentioned, it's kind of if you want power, probably go more Suarez. If you want more balance, you go more Rendon. I think they're both very, very good players. What's your takeaway on this and who do you got?
2: So I'll do a little shameless plug. Uh, I'm sure you're used to that with being friends with Justin. but um, Yes, he's the guy. <laughs> I have to give like
1: an extra 20 minutes of airtime. <laughs>
2: um, I, I joined the NFBC main event last year. Uh, it was a great experience. I I went to Vegas. I, I set up my trip uh, in December of last year. I was going there for the Roto-Wire online championship. And Greg calls me and he's like, look, this league isn't going to fill up. Can you come into the main event? And it was a little bit more money, but I was like, look, I already have my trip. I need to go. So I went ahead and went. It was probably the best decision I've ever made. Um, But I went into the draft not really having a backup plan. Um, I I had pick number nine or ten, and I said, I'm taking Mookie Betts, and if he's not there, I don't know what I'm going to do. Luckily, he was there, so I didn't really have to think about it too much. Um, But I ended up with Suarez, who I was really high on last year, and just looking at his stats. Um. Oh, by the way, I won that league, so I'll just throw. You that won your main league. event league? Yeah, I did. How did I not know about that? That's outstanding. It's, it's my pinned tweet. Like it's my crowning achievement. I'm sorry, it's I don't. That I've done your <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I actually won the. League. It was. It came down to like the last month, and I was telling my wife, like, look, I'm in, I'm right on the cusp between third and fourth. And I've been there like the whole season. And then just right towards the end, I had David Dahl, who I picked up off waivers. So he he just kind of pushed me over that edge. And it came down to actually game 163. And Jansen really screwed me, but not enough to lose. So I ended up winning the league. I hope Justin puts on the, the cover of the 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 guide featuring an NFBC management
1: champion Colin Weatherwax.
2: <laughs> yes, the, I will actually put that. I'm going to send that to him right now. I'm going to say on um, <laughs> Bubba's request is to put this on the front page. And you know what? I don't mind it. If you want to go ahead and do it, that's fine. I, 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 he's probably waiting on my consent. So I'll just send him my consent now. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, but to make a long story short, I drafted Suarez he was one of my cornerstones the whole year. And the crazy thing is, is he missed time last year. Mm-hmm. He had 527 at bats, which was quite a few, but he almost led the NL in RBIs, even with missing almost a month uh, due to, I think it was a wrist injury. So he had 104 RBIs, 34 home runs, very consistent with the two hundred eighty three average. That reason, I think in this debate, I'm going to lean towards Suarez, but like I said, in the post on Twitter, this range isn't where I'm looking for a third baseman. Um, during the draft, I'm looking at pitcher in this range. I'm looking at some of the the other outfielders that are available um, and any of the top, the guys that are above these guys in ADP that are falling. So I haven't ended up with either of them, but if I had the choice, I'd choose Suarez. All right. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge Suarez guy. I have nothing against Rendon. For people that listen to my my MLB
1: DFS quick hits, like, Rendon was a staple because he was cheap every day and he's consistent as they come. But I just love that Suarez upside in that ballpark. There's just so much I like about him. And it was crazy. He had missed what a month to one injury and then he hurt something else later in the year and he still just crushed it. Like he was so mm-hmm. good. Uh, so there's a lot to like there with Suarez. I think he's going to keep getting better too. The lineup's gotten better around him. There, there's just a lot to like there. You know, Rendon lost Harper protecting him or, or in front of him. It'll be interesting to see how that all unfolds. But um, you mentioned a third base position. So you're not going to spend up. You're spending it down. Do you start with guys like Matt Chapman or do you go farther down?
2: So I've ended up with um, Travis Shaw. Love Travis Shaw. I have a whole bunch of Justin Turner um, and then Josh Donaldson. I mean, give me that discount at 107.80p for third baseman, which is the 14th off the board. Like, give me that discount in Atlanta. Hoping for the bounce back. We've seen what he can do in a full season without any injuries. Uh he seems to be healthy. So I mean, going in that range, like you're you're talking about Rendon and Suarez at pick fifty on average. Give me fifty picks later, Shaw, Donaldson, or Turner.
1: That's an outstanding point, especially with Donaldson. It's like we're getting him down here so low because of the year last year. He was beat up the whole time. And and hey, he could still be hurt. We don't know for sure. I right. doubt the I doubt the Braves give him that money. If so, but at the same time, they only gave him a one-year deal. So they kind of covered their ass at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you get like 80% of Josh Donaldson at pick 107, you're talking at least Miguel Andahar, which is right behind like if, if not if not higher up. Like Josh Donaldson, for, I don't know, most people I assume listen to this show, you're either really bored or you've been playing fantasy baseball for a long time, that Josh Donaldson was like a first-round, second-round pick for the longest of times. Mm-hmm. So you're right about that. I want to ask you about Justin Turner, though, because that's just like that that guy that when he is out there is so good, but it's when he's out there is the problem. Like, if is he ever good? Is, you still trust him, basically, is what I'm asking?
2: I do. Um, I mean, he's just been so good year in and year out since 2014. Like, 342 average, 294 average, 275, 322, 312. Like, the floor is there for the average. And the way I've constructed my team so far, I have um, you know I usually go hitter hitter and then either pitcher pitcher or pitcher hitter. So I like to you know get a get a huge jump start on on my hitting. And if I make a little like risk, I believe I took Acuna at at pick number three um, in one of them, and then I I think Harper fell to me, which was crazy in round number two. So there's a little bit of average um, risk there with those two. So to balance it out with a Justin Turner is something I'm looking for. And he's not an empty average guy like a DJ LeMahieu. He is a average guy with some power, with some production. Uh, If you play in an OBP league, he's, he's awesome in that format as well. He even, he even provides you with some steals and he's on a great offense. So I I am nervous. Um, Two of the guys I mentioned outside of Shaw do have some injury concerns, but I think both of them have great situations. Um, The Donaldson injury is a little bit more scary than Turner, even though Turner is older. Um, But Donaldson ended up in probably the best situation for him as far as the the players around him. Like, he's not in Toronto anymore where everyone's getting traded and everyone's, you know, not getting called up. Um, (laughs) So he's in a great offense in Atlanta, a great ballpark, and he's got some protection in that lineup. So I'm I'm just looking for that 50-pick discount and looking to – make my overall team better. Yeah, and I don't argue, argue with that at all. I think it's a good philosophy. And you you know
1: going into it that injury concerns are there. Um, and you had injuries with Suarez last year and, and that you didn't think you'd have. Now, when you're talking NSBC because you won the main event, that means you worked fab very well. Heck, you got David Dahl off the fab mark, which is pretty impressive. Um, when you're drafting a guy like, say, Josh Donaldson, Justin Turner, where you're already kind of back of your mind probably thinking there's going to be a DL stint. There, most likely. How do you build your team? Do you say you're just going to play the wire when it happens? Do you kind of get a multi position guy later on that can fill it out? Because, you know, to to win a main event, to place high in the overall, you can't have a lot of downtime. You got to continually pumping out stats. So, how do you
2: go about that? So, last year, um, the fab was probably one of the most draining things for me to do every Sunday morning. Um, It was. No lie, the hardest league I've ever been in. Um, A whole bunch of guys that have been doing it year in and year out. This is my first time ever doing it. And to win it was amazing, but it took a lot of work. So coming into the draft, um, I had no intention of drafting Marwin Gonzalez because I was really low on him. However, he fell very late. Um, So I was able to scoop him up. I scooped up Daniel Murphy really late due to the injury. And then I picked my boy. Uh, and I'll go ahead and throw this on another media wave. Uh, it's all over FWFB, but my boy is Jaime Candelario. I love him. Uh, I am on board with saying he is the next Manny Machado. I've said it on multiple podcasts, um, and I was able to pick him up. He started in my third base slot most of the year, if not the corner infield spot. So, yes, there is that um, that want to have that position flexibility. Um, getting Marwin was very good for me because I, I, uh, I punted first base. I drafted Ryan McMahon. And so I was actually able to put him in, in my first baseman most of the year. Um, but getting a guy with position versatility that you're not paying up for was something that I was looking forward to. And I'll be looking forward to this year as well. Like a guy like Javi Baez, I'm not going to pay up just because of the the position eligibility.
1: Right. No, that's kind of what I was wondering there. I'm a big Marwin guy. I'll be on him again this year. Hopefully, if he's in a good landing spot, if it's bad, I'll probably back off. But I love your Candelario pick. This guy, I was happy when the, the Tigers traded for him. I mentioned mm-hmm. that Dynasty League I'm in. That was one of the first moves I made because I had a bunch of old guys. or Heck, I had Adrian Beltran on the roster. Obviously, that's not going to work this year. <laughs> so um, like one of the first moves I made is I got to deal with Candelario in it. I'm like, I'm putting this guy in my lineup because it's coming. Like If you look at the super deep stuff, the hard contact rate, all that, the kid is good. He's really, really good. It hasn't all clicked just yet. Steamer's only got him hitting about 240, but 19 homers, uh, four stolen bases, which you're not counting on Candelario, but, you know, 77 runs, almost 70 RBIs. And the biggest thing is you mentioned that that slew of third basements you really like, count, that, that was like 14, 15, 16 third baseman off the board, around pick 105 to 110. Candelario's a 33rd third baseman off the board. Pick 343. Like, just yes. think of the, the upside there. I remember, like, Mikel Franco's going two third basemen ahead of him. It was a couple years ago. Everyone's all over Mikel Franco's junk. I'll take Kendall. Like it's just there's, <laughs> there's so much down there with Candelaro That's just uh, I'm glad you mentioned him. That's that's a sneaky yeah. sneaky. Could you see it.
2: that minimum pick? I'm sure that's me. Like I, I just have the feeling that that's probably me because like, I every, every, draft, every draft <laughs> that I've done, I've ended up with him, and it's it's crazy. I mean, just coming into a couple of years ago, whenever he got traded to the Tigers, you could see that double power was there. And all that gap power was there. And I was like, God, Manny Machado had that same exact thing. And then he just turned those into home runs. And so I'm with you. And I'm glad someone actually speaks my language because I almost got laughed out of FWFB whenever I made that comp.
1: Yeah. But because look, like if he, if you mentioned the minimum is 282, the other one's 423. Imagine getting a guy like Catalario, even if he doesn't pan out at 423, it's fine because you're going to yeah, drop both those picks anyways. Yeah. But the upside is tremendous. I don't know. Sometimes Mason laughs at people and he, you know, <laughs> just because he wants to be different. Like that's what he does. That's Mason is the king of trying to be contrarian. That is his thing. But and usually he's pretty good at it. But I don't know how you can't like Lara Everything's there, man. It's just it looks so nice. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the first base position. This one's interesting because, you know, they could be brothers if you really stood them next to each other. Um hmm. Jesus Aguilar, seventh first baseman off the board, going to pick, out pick 81. And Jose Abreu, eighth first baseman off the board, about pick 87. It's like, it's one of those Abreu, pretty consistent, but he's getting older. Jesus Aguilar burst onto the scene, quiet second half, but a lot of guys have put up some great content on the Babup and all that kind of stuff. Was it fluky? Was it not? What do you like on these two?
2: I'm nervous to draft either of them. Um, I do so many best balls that I'll probably end up with one of them just because I want to have that share just in case. Uh, Last year I did a best ball where I picked Aguilar. I went out of my way to pick Aguilar just because I thought, you know, he might get that playing time if injuries happen, so that worked out for me. But coming into this year, if I had to choose, I would choose Abreu because that consistency is there. Yes, he's getting older, but the injuries that he was plagued by last year weren't very, um, you know, high stress injuries, just like thigh here, hamstring there, uh, nothing with his back, nothing with his shoulders, nothing like that. So um, if you have if you have to pick one of these two, I'm picking Abreu. But for me, I'm just going to keep looking down the line. And I see Joey Gallo going 22 picks after that. It's my Texas guy, uh, my, my poster child for my Texas draft guide preview. Um, and then, of course, the old Texas Ranger, Profar is there, Olsen's there, like, let me wait, you know, 30 to 50 picks and get somebody else that, you know, might have a little bit less average, uh, a little bit more home runs like Gallo, um, but can even out with the rest of my roster. Okay. I dig it. It's really interesting because Abreu, I do like, but
1: eventually, even Steamer's kind of started projecting for a little bit of power regression and all that kind of stuff. Um, Aguilar, I love. If I'm just worried there that it could turn into, you know, Thames starts getting the playing time there, and you don't really know is Aguilar going to keep it because he got it because he got hot, but yeah. and, and Thames got hurt. But now do we go back to a, a, a platoon, which would really suck? Um, I'm a huge Matt Olson guy; absolutely love Matt Olson. Uh, I like Joey Gallo. I think the average is going to slowly keep getting better. At least you know if, if Joey Gallo hit 240, like give me a break—that's going to be amazing. But big Matt Olson guy. Um, you know, some believe in Ian Desmond bouncing back. As long as he's in Colorado playing every day, you can't hate it. I'm not a huge Ian Desmond guy. Don't hate it. Maybe Jose Martinez gets traded to a good spot there and gets out of St. Louis. It's just – it's weird, though, because so we're, like, kind of picking a straw. Carlos Santana going 231 is intriguing back in Cleveland. But oh, yeah. we, we talked about third base and the depth there. We have talked about shortstop and the depth. First baseman's depth isn't the greatest um, compared to years past, it feels like. You know, you're kind of grasping the straws at certain points. But um, – you can wait. I could do you try to grab one early or do you just say, Screw it, I'm gonna wait to go Olson Gallo like that?
2: Um, you know, I like to go Olson Gallo. I have found myself um, you know, kind of scrounging and being like, Oh crap, I don't have a first baseman yet. I need to do something. And then, you know, I pick, you know, just some guy like Peter Alonzo or or Jake Bowers or someone way down there. But one of the other things that that really concerns me about Gallo, and this is also in the draft guide, um, he does not want to play the infield. He does not want to play first base. He does not want to play third base. He wants to play the outfield. And right now, Roster Resource has him as the starting center fielder. That scares me in yeah. the big outfield in Texas. Uh, one hit of the wall, one bad dive, and you get you're way more injury prone out there in the outfield than you are in the infield. That's the one thing that's concerning for me on Gallo. I don't know why he doesn't want to play a cush position like first base and third base, um, but he's made it clear to the Rangers he he wants to play the outfield. That's very interesting because I remember last year when he started playing out there, I'm like, what are they
1: doing with this man? <laughs> but um, hey, if if, it's the, if if he's on board, then it changes my opinion. I thought it was just more of a we need to get everybody, all these young guys on the field. And we have got to figure out how to do it.
2: No, but, yeah, there was an article last year where he told a beat writer he does not like third base. And he was like, everyone calling me the heir apparent to Adrian Beltre. Look, I hate that. I hate that position. I hate it. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh,
1: a couple other deep guys, like we don't to go too deep into it, but if you do wait, I don't hate guys like Josh Bell. I really like T.J. Cron in Minnesota. Um, and then after that, you know, you could try to go back to the Brandon Beltwell, which sucks. Ryan McMahon's going at 380. Uh, he's actually supposed to play, even with Daniel Murphy there, because they say Murphy's at first. They're going to move McMahon to second. Believe what you wish. Eventually, I think Brandon Rogers takes that over. But basically, what I'm getting at it. It gets kind of iffy down here is what it comes down to. So.
2: Yeah, a couple, a couple a of sleepers that I like, you know, whenever you're getting towards the end of the draft. Ryan O'Hearn showed a little bit last year in Kansas City. Um, and then Rowdy Telez. I really like him if he gets the opportunity in Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. Uh, those are two guys that I'm looking for on the, the end of my bench and my best balls.
1: And that's why I love playing DFS. Like that's where I knew those names from all of a sudden towards the end of last year. The came on and just burst onto the scene. Yes. Um, O'Hearn as well. They were both like September darlings, cheap every day and just love crushed, it. absolutely crushed baseballs.
2: Love it. <laughs> so
1: uh, Stuff to think about there. And if like, as I'm scrolling down the ADP and obviously people listening, <laughs> we're just kind of spitballing things are going to change dramatically over the next couple months. But um like, keep an eye on a guy like Christian Walker, now that Goldie's gone in Arizona. Could still be a platoon guy, but that guy's got some stupid power. So Yeah.
2: Yeah, that is yeah. a situation to watch for sure. Um, but then I mean, like you said, we're scrolling down and then I I just refresh the page and I see Eric Hosmer as number sixteen. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Is this a ground ball league? <laughs>
1: um I, I I still baffled by that pod. I, I I feel bad for Sammy Reed. I really do. Really, yeah, really do. That that's a tough one right <laughs> there. Um Let's go to the second base position here. This one is intriguing to me because, like, do you want the young stud with the upside or do you want the consistent old man who PEDs or no PEDs I think is going to still crush the baseball and be very, very good for you? you got Ruben and Odor versus Robinson Cano. Right now Ruben Odor is 10th second baseman off the board, about pick 123. Robbie Cano, 11th second baseman, about pick 131.
2: Where do you go on this one? I, it just seems to me like you want to talk about the Rangers. Like, that's every every position we previewed. You want to talk about a Ranger. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I figured go to your target demo. I'm working on it here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so another shameless plug. I picked up Cano off waivers. Uh, really good for me down the stretch uh, just because of the PED suspension. Someone dropped him uh, on, in the main event league, so last year. So I'm a little impartial to both guys. Um, twist my arm, give me Odor. Like you said, the upside's there. Uh, in my in my brief little write-up, I'll give you a little taste of it. Um, he he just might be hitting his stride. I mean, he hit 18 home runs last year. He upped his average to .253, and he, he, he suffered a hamstring injury at the beginning of the season that cost him about a month. But doubling his walk rate almost, like this is a guy that could not buy a walk. And he was, he was at like 4% the past two years. And then last year he got it up to 8%, which isn't good, but it's not, you know, unrosterable bad. So a guy that's going to give me, you know, probably 20 to 30 home runs. If he's healthy, he's not going to kill me now in an OBP league, which is pretty much the only thing I play in besides best balls. Uh, He provides you with 12 steals, runs and RBIs. Give me that um, over, you know, the canoe where where is he going to play is he going to play second he's going to play first um like you said the PED suspension he wasn't great whenever he came back last year but he was just kind of blah enough you know to keep in your lineup especially in a 15 team league so yeah give me the upside for odor yeah i like the Odor call quite a bit it's, it's interesting because a lot of people like to
1: look back and they want the consistent canoe and that's why it's interesting you know they're right next to each other but odor the power is outstanding. He could be a 2020 type guy in that ballpark if the you know plate discipline keeps up in going in the right pattern, which it should at his age. You'd imagine he's starting to figure it out. So it's very very interesting to me here. And like right in front of the door, you got D Gordon, you got Johnny VR. Like I understand VR, but let's remember what two or three years ago when the same thing happened, people mm-hmm. and it didn't turn out too well. Not saying it's not going to again, but he's in the Baltimore Orioles. So I'm um, <laughs> just gonna say that as nice as I can. Uh, if you're going to pay up for a second baseman, I'm probably not going there, but what's your thoughts on the likes of VR and Gordon and then with Odor?
2: So Gordon, I, I bashed Randy Haynes last year. Um, I believe he took him in either the second or third round in TGFBI. I was like, dude, what are you doing? He, he's not good. Um, and he, he had an empty batting average last year. He didn't give you as many steel steals as you wanted. I, I see it, you know, starting to turn bad for him real quick. So, VR, I completely agree. He's being overdrafted once again. um And as I look down this list, and it is early, we are comparing these two previously whenever he didn't have a team. But Daniel Murphy at yep. you know, at fourteen, That's like, give guy. me him over O'Dor, over Cano, over VR, over Gordon. Like, he's probably a top, close to a top five second baseman for me next year.
1: Yeah, I mentioned on my last show. He, I think he's even farther down than this last time. There's. Was- 32 completed draft now there's 40 um, and he's already going as high as pick 83 now This ADP still 156 I, I wouldn't be shocked by the end of January if he's a, above Odor at least in the top 10 uh, he's gonna he's gonna keep climbing there's no reason not to take him over majority of these guys like literally I I once you get towards Scooter Jeanette okay you can make a discussion if you want but he should really keep moving up that ladder um, there's no reason for that. But guys like Cesar Hernandez right behind him. I've always loved Cesar as long as he's got that that everyday role in Philly. I think there's a lot to like there. Um, you got guys like Joey Wendell who who exploded last year. it's it's a it's an interesting position. It's a kind of scary at times position, but there is depth here if you really need to dig down. But it's kind of a I almost want to get somebody decent if I can, so I don't have to sweat it too bad, but it kind of depends on how the draft goes.
2: Yeah, definitely. And then since we're talking about the Rangers, we might as well just throw in uh, Isaiah Kiner falefa That's how you pronounce it. I've always wondered. I call him Falefa. Isaiah Kainer-Falefa. He's a guy that could probably be like Marlon Gonzalez light this year. And I say light, but it probably should be like huge because he has the catcher eligibility, which no middle infielder has. Um, The one thing I worry about is he had like previous to this year, 60 plate appearances or starts, I mean, behind the plate in minor leagues. So they kind of just threw him out there based on necessity last year. But to get a guy, you know, pick 273, it's a little high, um, probably from my taste, you know, as far as the ADP goes on NFBC. But if you can get him, you know, closer to the 300 pick range and you can slot him in pretty much anywhere over your lineup, he's a guy that I'm looking to get, you know, kind of as that Marwin role. If Marwin, especially if Marwin doesn't end up in a good situation.
1: With, with Falefa there, do you, you listen to the, the Rangers' beat a lot more. Are they going to still try to catch him a lot? Or are they gonna just going to have him there every couple of days and still play the infield? What, what are they going to do with him? What's his role going to be this year?
2: So I don't know if he's going to catch that much. Uh, they did sign Jeff Mathis, defensive specialist, nothing with the bat. Um, they do have Jet Bandy on the AAA roster right now, who I kind of like uh, coming up into the ranks, you know, into the major leagues this year. But we got rid of Profar. Uh, No Profar means a lot more openings around the diamond. Um, You know, if Andrews gets hurt, right now there's not really a third baseman besides Patrick Wisdom, which, you know, who cares? (laughs) Um, And then you got Odor, if he gets hurt, he's going to slot in pretty much anywhere on that infield. So, yes, he has that versatility. I think he gets, you know, between – Four to five hundred plate appearances over the year, Um, but it's going to be all over the diamond. So I I, like I said, I do like him this year. Uh, I just he kind of burst on the scene, and no one really knew you know what you were going to get. But all throughout the year, he was there. So he's he's a guy that I'm targeting for sure. I like it. Let's go to the shortstop position, one that's going to be
1: kind of interesting. If you believe in bounce back, he was hurt all year. Carlos Correa, eight shortstop off the board, about pick forty seven. His injuries were a lot worse. I think people. Knew about, and they got Xander Bogarts coming off a really, really good year. Ninth shortstop, pick forty eight, so going right next to each other on the NFBCs at the moment. It's kind of like, do you think Correa gets the bounce back? Does Bogarts keep getting better, or does he fall backwards? Where do you sit on these two?
2: Give me Bogarts, and it's it's pretty easy. um You know, last year he was very quietly, very productive. I mean, twenty three home runs, one hundred and three RBIs, two eighty eight average, eight steals. I mean, give me that for my starting shortstop every year. Um, in the best balls that I've done so far, I haven't found the need to draft one of these guys because I've gone Lindor Turner or Bregman every chance I can. Um, so I haven't really had the need to go out of my way to get one of these guys, but Bogarts has, has been quietly consistent, uh, especially from last year. And he's going to give you power. Now he had 10 home runs in 2017, but he did have a, an injury that kind of ailed him most of the year. 21 home runs in 2016, so I think he's going to stay around that 20 home run threshold. The offense in Boston's great. Um, he's going to give you some steals, and I'm I'm really worried about Correa. Um, I don't know your thoughts on him, but in the 30 team dynasty, like he just kept falling, and I was like, you know, I should probably go Correa now, but I just couldn't pull the trigger.
1: Yeah, I think everyone's really really worried about Correa, and it's I, I get it. Back injuries are no joke. We're going to talk about someone in a bit about back injuries. But um, he's only twenty four years old. Like he's, he's he's extremely extremely young, and the injuries were really bad. How um, bad? I I wouldn't be shocked. I'm not saying he's gonna hit three fifteen with twenty four bombs like he did seventeen, but I think twenty plus homers is in the play and like a two eighty average or something. I think there's a lot to like there with Correa. I don't think he's gonna be that monster everyone thought after that seventeen season. Um, at least not anytime soon. But even Steamer has him at two sixty five with twenty six jacks, ninety one RBIs. 84 runs scored I'd take that all day long I I like Xander a lot but I'm kind of if I'm taking a guy early I'm looking at the value on Correa a guy that was like a late first round pick last year getting them all the way down to pick 47 now if I don't get him that's fine I'm not going to jump out and reach I've mentioned how deep the position is but I I think Correa is going to be much much better this year.
2: It might be because I got burned by him in one of my draft champions league. I went Correa KB on the turn. I was like, oh, yeah, that's going to be great this year. Yeah, so that might be the case. But like I said, I go either Bregman, Turner, or Lindor. And then if I miss out on those three, there is another guy. uh, You can guess what what team he plays for uh, that I go later on in the draft, and that's Elvis Andrews. I mean, this is a guy, like you said, Carlos Correa going – first or second round last year, Elvis Andrews was being overdrafted, which I am on the record for saying, uh, but he was being drafted in the second and third round. What has changed besides an injury from a pitch that hit him on the elbow, which he had no control over? This is a guy that's – he's turned 30. um, Doesn't mean he's slow by any means, but he hit 20 home runs in 17, uh, stole 25 bags and a 300 average. If I can get that with, what, 120-pick discount this year – like give me that all day, and I've ended up with him pretty much on all my best balls.
1: I like it. Yeah, it, it's deep because uh, you got Andrus there. Eduardo Escobar is pretty consistent right behind him. Um, Marcus Simeon, who's always pretty darn good at twenty one. And Willie Adamas, I love Jorge Polanco going at twenty third shortstop off the board. Um, some people still believe in Chris Taylor. There's Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Anthony Simmons, Marvin Gonzalez, etel Marte. It is deep extremely deep at the shortstop position. Um, If you don't get one of the top guys, unlike some other positions, I don't think you need to panic. You mentioned Lindor, Turner, Bregman, Machado, all those kind of guys are like really, really good. Like they're game changer players. That's why you take them early. But if you don't get one of them, there's no need to panic and go, Oh, give me, um, you know, give me Glaber Torres or like, I I like James Segura. I got no problem with it, but you don't have to like really scramble for a shortstop. Like you, do. you you mentioned um, first base is a little different, some other spots, but I think there's a lot to like with shortstop this year, or, or at least if it's your middle infield option, you can definitely do pretty good here. Yeah, and don't be the guy that takes Mon to see 20 overall. Like just don't be that guy. <laughs> yeah,
2: he's going between 20 or 67 right now. It's I wouldn't even I don't even think I'd take him at 67. Like, um, I've wanted to take a lottery ticket on him, but right whenever I feel like I should, I see, you know, somebody completely let me let me look at this draft that I'm in right now. So I think I had the choice between him. And Thor as my my first pitcher, I'd already had Turner and Harper. I was like, yeah, I think I'm gonna go Thor. And if he makes it back, then maybe. But there's there's just so many guys that I want above him. Yes, I want to get a piece of the pie just in case. But right now, the price is way too high.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, and it's just gonna keep going up. I have a feeling. Ugh, um, that's yeah. that's atrocious. <laughs> it's very very bad. But uh, let's go to the outfield. Uh, a fun one here, another kind of veteran versus youngster thing. Nick Castellanos going to be a contract year. He's hitting his prime years of baseball, 24th outfielder off the board, uh, pick 91. Then you got Justin Upton, missed, like the model of consistency, 25, 25th outfielder off the board, 93rd overall. And he's actually younger than people think. So, they're actually, uh, he's not super, super old. He's just been around for a long time. He came up so early with the D-backs. But it's kind of one of those you think Castellanos keeps taking the next step, Or do you want the consistency with Upton? What do you like here?
2: I love Castellanos. Uh, I really do. I I picked him, I think, whenever he came up as a rookie with the Tigers. I picked him up off waivers. He really helped me out that that year. Um, Now that he's in the outfield, it kind of is like he gets lost in the mist. He's not in the third baseman conversation anymore. He's lost that eligibility. But if I'm looking at a team um, where I, I feel good about my power, I feel good about my speed and I just need just that guy that's going to be in the lineup every day. I'm going to give me some pop, going to give me some RBIs, not that many in Detroit, but you know, gonna going to provide pretty much, pretty much Upton like stats without the 30 home run power. Um, give me Castellanos. But if I get um, a team where I'm, I'm lacking the power, I've, I've found myself go out of my way to get Upton. I mean, both of the guys have been consistent. Upton's done it for so many years longer than Castellanos, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of torn to kind of pick one. It really depends on my lineup construction uh, through the first, you know, six or seven rounds to see if I, if I want that consistent power, if I want that consistent average and all other stats. Um, But just, just to pick between the two for, for shits and gigs all goes Castellanos. Yeah.
1: I love Castellanos. I've been on him for like you for a long, long time now. It's kind of scary thinking now that we have Castellanos and Candelario on the same team for the Detroit Tigers. Um, you know, you're going to have your
2: Rangers and Tigers roster, and it's going to get it. it's going to be fun for you there. Yeah, um, you're going to look at it and be in love, and then you know, come June, you're going to be like, "What happened?" Yeah,
1: yeah. They only scored two runs a game. What the
2: hell? <laughs> um, but I love everything about Castellanos, The hard hit
1: rate, everything about him is just awesome. You mentioned the average, the power is slowly getting there. But you're right, with, with Upton, it's consistent, man. It's like around 30-plus homers year in and year out for the most part, uh, projected for 29 again by Steamer. But, you know, Castellanos projected 27 with the um, the average up, uh, upgrade over Upton. It's kind of pick-your-poison. You just made fun of the Tigers' offense. The Angels' offense should be much better with a guy named Mike Trout in that lineup, which never sucks. Um, it is very tough. It kind of, like you said, lineup construction, because you know Upton's going to get the homers for you. You're not so sure about his average, whereas Castellanos, the, the power might come there. It looks like it's going to maybe, but the average is pretty darn consistent. So definitely, definitely a good
2: option there. So just to kind of throw a couple of youngsters, um, Robles going four picks after that, and then you got Eloy Jimenez going at pick 108. If you if you have to pick between those four, I know it, it really depends on your lineup construction, and we're kind of just doing this off the wall here. But have you ended up with a lot of Robles? Have you ended up with a lot of Eloy? I have Victor in some dynasty leagues I was
1: in prior of like years ago. I've had him. I haven't got him. I haven't got either one in any drafts right now because I draft more on proven commodities at that point in the draft. I know that's probably a downfall at times for me. But um, hanging around Justin I, too much. Yeah, probably it's a Bay Area <laughs> thing, I guess. Um, but I, I'm I'm growing more accustomed to liking Robles for the fact of his steel upside. Um, I know some others have tweeted it out. I got a list that I keep meaning to like write about. But uh, looking at Steamer projections for stolen bases, and I use Steamer a lot, but I always preface projections are just projections, people, so figure it out. But but he steals bases, and everyone's trying to go for the Mondeses and all those guys of the world early. You can get you know twenty five plus stolen base type upside at uh, pick around hundred, not horrible. Obviously Malik Smith behind him, other guys coming up. But when you mention Eloy Jimenez, this is intriguing. If he does start on opening day, A, I think his draft price is going to go up. But this guy's got ridiculous, ridiculous power. So right now, gun to my head, I take Victor Robles, if things start changing and he looks like Eloy's going to be there day one, which he should be, I might go Jimenez because you're going to get 25 plus, 30 plus home run power at pick 108 with on paper, what he's done on the minors is a pretty decent batting average, and that could easily change. But you're not going to buy a guy in the minors who at five double A three seventeen, double A three fifty three, A ball two seventy one, three forty five. He's ridiculous. Steamer's got a projective to hit two ninety three at twenty three home runs. <laughs> um, there is a lot to like there with Eloy Jimenez.
2: So, do you actually do any NFBC um, during the year? Uh, I have not. I'm going to try to this year. I've I've been
1: doing a million other leagues. I'm trying to drop most leagues I've been in for a long time with friends and stuff, and do more of that kind of thing.
2: Okay. The reason I ask is because you see these minimum picks, and everyone can go online, go to play NFBC, um, go to their website, go to resources, and look at the ADP. It's public. It's it's updated every draft. Uh, you can sort it by month, by day, uh, anything like that. But whenever you talk NFBC, especially whenever you talk main event. There are people that go crazy for these guys, especially Robles, Eloy. Like, they're going to pick their minimum pick on this website right now is 56 for Robles and 54 for Eloy. Now, the people that are listening to, just like you, they're thinking that's crazy. But these are the lottery tickets that win you the main event. Exactly. Taking Acuna in the first round was frowned upon last year by myself included. But look at those people, you know, laying in the money right now. Um, I, I agree with that. Completely. <laughs> so so seeing those men picks are a little concerning. But whenever you're talking to NFBC, you have to go with your gut. If you believe in steamer project- projections like you, Bubba, and you think Eloy is going to be there get day one and you can get this guy at pick 108, like jump on that right now before it passes you by.
1: Yeah, there's a very good chance, like, when spring comes out, when they say he is starting day one, I will probably have way too much Eloy Jimenez. (laughs) Towards the end of last season on podcast, when I had guests on, and there's rumors he might get called up, like, we were talking about this, unloading every fab dollar you have on the planet to grab this man. Because, like, two months of Eloy is probably better than anything that will come on the labor wire the rest of the time. Like, he he is that insanely talented. It's just, I get so worried now watching these guys, like, these teams really want to maximize control, and it's it's ruining the fun for all of us. Yeah, they need to fix that real quick. But like you mentioned, let's just have some fun with it. So you have fit, pick fifty four and fifty six. Now, if we go just to overall, you got picks fifty to sixty. I'll just name them: right. Albies, Patrick Corbin, Eugenio, Heningo, Torres, Paxton, Gary Sanchez, Strasburg, Springer, Real Muto, Fam, and Jack Flaherty. I know I named off. A bunch of guys there, but are you taking Eloy or Robles over any of those guys?
2: I'm a big Robles guy, so I've yet to come around on the Eloy just because he's a power hitter in the minors. The White Sox lineup doesn't look as great as uh, you know, Washington's. So, based on the guys that you said, surprisingly, I really don't have um, a problem taking him over Albies. I really don't, um, just based off of how he. He performed later in the year. He just kind of fell off. I mean, he had a great first half, so there was nowhere to go but down for him. Um, I also don't mind taking him over Glaber. Uh, Gary Sanchez is a catcher. I don't mind taking him over him. Springer is probably where it kind of hits, you know, okay, I probably should go Springer here. That's probably the guy like, okay, Springer, Robles, you know what you're getting in Springer. Uh, He's done it year in and year out. He's still young enough. He still plays on a great offense. Uh, that's probably the point for me. I'm not going to compare him to the pitchers because it just depends yeah. on my my roster construction. But yeah, I, surprisingly to myself included, Whoa. taking him over Albies or, or Glaber isn't isn't that um, isn't that far of a reach.
1: Well, Yeah, I'm not huge on Glaber. I've made that known elsewhere. Like the talents there, I'm just I don't want to draft a guy batting ninth very often. So yeah. um, at that at point, 25 overall, at that point especially, <laughs> but. Um, Albies, I could see for sure. It's one of those. Like, now, now you got me thinking. Like, I want a mock draft because you are one hundred sh- percent true, and, and I am glad Correct. you said it. Like, if you want to win the whole thing, you got to take these chances. You got to take the lottery pick and hope you win the Mega Millions. That's how this works. Yeah. Um, I, I am really curious now. I kind of want to do some mocks. Like, so picks fifty through sixty. That's like end of the fourth round, like early to end of fourth round in a fifteen team in FBC. So yep. I kind of want. To, I kind of want to go and take one in the fourth, one in the fifth. I take them both and kind of see how the the roster construction looks. Because, honestly, if both those guys start from day one, you're not going to be disappointed with their numbers. You really aren't. Like, Albies was great. He was a great story. But we saw how fast he dropped off last year. Gleyber Torres was supposed to be the AL rookie of the year. Then he started to suck, and Miguel Andahar took over. I don't want anything to do with Gary Sanchez at that pick point. Um, (laughs) I do like Tommy Fam a lot. I think that's some value there for Fam. I think he's very, very good. But... I could see going robles over
2: Fam too. I have no argument there. Um, Yeah, and and Fam's a guy that can kind of just you know, can kind of just get lost in the player pool. Like people aren't going out of their way to draft Fam unless you are high on him, like higher than anybody else in the industry. Kind of like Matt Thompson last year, and that didn't really work out for him. But um... uh Cardinals fan, huh? (laughs) <laughs> so uh yeah i mean it is crazy and you should definitely go out there and mock draft and if you have the funds available go on fan tracks do some tracks tens uh it's just ten dollars you get in leagues okay. with 12 other, or 11 other guys i think right now simultaneously i've picked three times since we started this podcast because i'm in three separate ones nice. <laughs> so I, I steady keep them going I, I love to have a mock draft or a tracks 10 going at all times just so that way it, it keeps it fresh on my mind and come NFBC main event time, um, you know, come my main league time, I'm completely ready and completely prepared, and I know what's going to happen until, you know, that guy that never plays comes in and, and yeah. makes Eloy first round. I'm like, no, I was yeah. going to get him in the fourth. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned it because that was one thing that I, I, I had
1: intentions of doing last year, and it was almost working. We did them a couple times. I'm actually going to try to put a lot of mock drafts together, and I'll, I'll kind of invite – the industry guys, but I also kind of want to leave spots open for just Twitter followers. And um, just because the experience of just like, just learning the player pool alone is tremendous um, on how it goes. And if you just go like random sites to do mock drafts, people quit after like five rounds and they yeah. are screwed anyways. Like at least if you get interested people in it, you can make it work. So yeah. um, we're definitely going to do that this year and all, and I'll get you involved in that quite a bit. Um, you added two, two topics. So I'm going to let you take over and ask questions now.
2: All right. So um just I wanted to kind of turn toward the pitchers. We've done a lot of position previews with the uh with the hitters. So I I don't I haven't listened to your stuff. I, I apologize. Uh, I've been very busy with work. Uh, There's only seventy
1: five thousand podcasts. I got it. <laughs> you don't have to apologize.
2: <laughs> so however, um I want to get your take on Clayton Kershaw this year. Uh I put in the in the document Clayton Kershaw versus Luis Severino. It's very easy for me, Severino. I want to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, very easy for me, uh, Severino.
1: I want nothing to do with Clayton Kershaw. I know it's like I can, I'll can. i listen to the argument that he's the ninth pitcher off the board now. He's going almost pick 34. I get it. Like a healthy Clayton Kershaw is elite, maybe. Um, but back problems, again, like we said with someone earlier, it's no joke. It's not the first time he's had a back problem. He's had multiple back problems. You're seeing him. And he's very good. Like I don't want to just completely clown on Kershaw because it's not a Giants versus Dodgers thing, but I'm taking Luis Severino and that upside on that uh, on that young arm on that team day in and day out. Um, we haven't seen the issues with him over over Kershaw. So, and the strikeout upside with Severino, Kershaw's losing velocity. He's having to use more off speed pitches to, to. He's having to pitch more. Where Severino can throw and pitch, which I'll take almost any day of the week. And he's still getting older and he's still getting smarter. Give me Luis Severino over Kershaw all day long.
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I actually did a three sport league um, in the middle of the baseball season. So, prepping for this year, 2019. And I took Luis Severino as the first pitcher off the board, which is crazy. Um, however, I don't feel, I feel a little bit worse now because of how he tailed off towards the end of the year. Uh, but I still feel a lot better than if I would have taken Kershaw as the first pitcher off the board, I'll tell you that. Um, for me, it's, like you said, the back injury. I think uh, the Dodgers re-signing him was more of, you know, if someone would have went out of their way and signed him, I would have probably felt a little bit better, but the Dodgers re-signing him might have just been look, like, a look, you know, we want you back. Uh, if you want to come back, that's fine. We'll pay you what you what you need. You're our guy something like that you know if, if someone would have went out of their way and offered him millions and millions of dollars maybe they would have done you know extensive research on his back for the Dodgers I just think that they just wanted them back just to have him back and and that worries me uh, like you said give me the upside with Severino and um, and we'll go from there especially at, at the at the price that they're both going at pick 33 or 37 and you look at a guy like Severino uh, he's still so young
1: he's going to be um... 25 this year which is outstanding and in his last two years 193 and a third 191 and a third in his pitch 298 era 339 era uh, over 10k per nine a young arm with that consistency so many people have talked about it matt modic is the pitching whisperer most of the time he's tweeting out stuff all the time and like the amount of pitchers that give you over 100 even 80 innings a year is dropped so much i think it's like 10 10 or less pitchers and you got a guy back to back years getting over 190 innings pitched. Mm-hmm. yeah, sign me up, please.
2: Especially whenever you compare him to a Dodger who goes on the DL for uh, a mosquito bite every other week. Yes. <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. I'm all aboard the anybody over Kershaw. Give me Garrett Cole, Trevor Bauer, Walker. I'll take Walker Buehler, his own teammate over Clayton Kershaw. Carlos Carrasco is going criminally cheap. Like there's a list of guys that even after that I can keep going and I won't. That I'll take over Clayton Kershaw.
2: Yeah, the Walker Buehler helium's a little too high for me, but I am I am with you. I'm going to take him over Kershaw if I have the choice, and I'm comfortable with those two guys. Um, now, two guys that I have not been comfortable drafting in the past, I completely stayed away from both of these guys. I hate Strasburg uh, to a passion with a passion, um, just because of how overdrafted, overhyped over hyped he's been. I think he's been below average to say the least. Uh, however. However, coming into this year, uh, Strasburg and the other guy I mentioned that I've never drafted is Noah Syndergaard. Um, I ended up with both of them as my SB1 and SB2 and one of my best balls, and I kind of like it based on the prices that I got them. Um, Let me pull up their price real quick because I'm actually in this draft room right now. So I picked uh, Noah Syndergaard at pick number 35, uh, a little bit higher than, than FBC ADP, but I was still comfortable with it. And then I got Strasburg at pick 62 as my two horses to get me through the season, hopefully. In the past, these two guys were going in the first or second round. So what are your thoughts on these two guys coming in the season? Are you um, are you excited about their price? Are you still staying away from them? What are you doing? Their price is outstanding. Um, these are two guys, just like yourself, I didn't pay for their price in previous
1: years. I, I If I'm taking a pitcher, because there's already so much injury risk with any pitcher, um and you throw a guy like those two that do have the risk so early in a draft, I'm just going to completely stay away. Um But where you're getting them now, like you mentioned, Syndergaard about pick 41, Strasburg about pick 57, 58. I think that Strasburg price is outstanding. When he's going between guys like Paxton and Flaherty, the upside is tremendous. Yes, there's downside, but I think they're both really, really good. I'd rather have Syndergaard over Strasburg because when Syndergaard's on, he is just lights out filthy. Strasburg's really good, but he seems to have to kind of – like he, he can get in trouble a lot quicker, it feels like, when you're watching him play. I know I'm not getting all analytical on your answer here, but um, I, I like Syndergaard a lot. I really, really do. And um, Nick Pollock mentioned some things about his pitch mix. And if he can get that figured out, which I'm assuming someone will help him with, he can be really, really good. And, uh, yeah, I think he's good. He's still, even even with an injury-riddled season last year, he had 154 innings pitched. So he he was in line to be one of the top pitchers in baseball before all all hell broke loose. Still had an ERA around three. That's what we care about for the most part. Um, been really really good. But Strasburg's great. I got no problems with him. Uh, probably more of a risk than than Syndergaard, but I'll take Syndergaard.
2: Yeah, it's just crazy for me to actually be on the on the team that's going to have either one or both of these guys uh, just because of how you know biased i was have been against not drafting him in the past um you did mention paxton going just a little bit ahead of strasburg if i had the choice i'm taking paxton every day of the week Uh, i love the move to ny and i think he's just gonna pick up where he left off as long as he stays healthy he does have that injury risk i think coupling those three together in the same conversation is is probably you know it's good because they all have that injury risk and uh, it's mostly based off of preference and which guy you really think and trust um, can get you through the season,
1: like if you look at it, like Thor, Paxton, Strasburg, all going right around each other. Like we said, all injury risk, but if all of them give you one hundred and seventy, I'm not going to go higher than like one hundred and seventy plus Indians. They're probably in the top five, Cy Young in each division's discussion at least. Like they're that good. So, yeah. they're, they're like, and you're getting them so much later. It's one of those. I, I've I've been talking to guys on Twitter. I know you probably talked to people as well. It's the philosophy after say the tw- tw- we'll say 20th starting pitcher, it drops off pretty dramatically. Um, and so, like, Eno Harris wants three elite guys. A lot of guys want two. Like, if you go hitter-hitter and you get these guys towards the end of round, like, your 3-4 turn, your 4-5 turn, I have zero problem. Like, getting Syndergaard and Strasburg like you did, that's almost equivalent to what we just talked about with Robles and H- Jimenez. Like, you took the gambles because there is extreme risk with these guys. But, man, if they both hit, you you won the lottery at starting pitcher.
2: Yep, and that's that's what you're playing for is, is uh, drafting, starting pitching. I mean, it is the lottery, um, you know, based off of the injury risk and all that. But one of the other things I do like about Strasburg coming in this year, he doesn't really have that pressure to be the number two guy. They paid a lot of money to Corbin. They still got Scherzer there. Um, he's just kind of there, you know, kind of like Tanner Roark was for the longest time. He's just kind of there. There's not that much hype. There's not that much um, – You know, pressure on him coming into the year, so I kind of like that for him as well. And one thing we we need to start
1: kind of maybe changing our mindset on as a fantasy community or fantasy players in general is you're thinking, okay, he's hurt, so I don't want to take him. Well, you know what? When you take a Strasburg, maybe take another pitcher because even when Strasburg pitches, maybe it's not a ton of it. He's like 127 and 15, 147 and 16, had 130 last year. But no matter what, his ERA is always great. His K-9 is phenomenal. When he's out there, he is an elite pitcher. So if you can still get that for two-thirds of your fantasy baseball season and then you can maybe get a couple guys to stream when he's hurt, you're still going to be way ahead of the game. And I think we need to start kind of thinking differently there. But it's, when pitching can be such a mess, when guys are only going five or six innings and so many injuries now, like if you like you mentioned with the Dodgers, a lot of teams are like that now. If you have a cold, you're on the 10-day DL. It's just it's, – it's changed the landscape of how we view pitchers, and I already said there's like maybe 10 guys that give you over 180 innings a year. It's worth taking a guy like Strasburg and then just going, okay, I might have to take another pitcher a little earlier. I got to remember towards the end of the draft. Maybe grab two guys that I can stream later on instead of just like that one dart. Like change your mindset, but at the same time embrace – in so embracing guys like Strasburg, Paxton, Guard, because
2: when they are out there, they are elite. For sure. Um, and then just before we end off here, I got, I got one more question for you. So I've done, I've done three tracks, 10 so far and crazy. If you, if you can believe it or not, that's fine. But I have three of the the same players in each league. And these are guys that I'm going out of my way to get, and they're all pitchers. So I want my, my question to you is, is who are you going out of your way to get? And then I'll reveal who those three guys are for me. Who am I going out of my way to get? So you're talking like not some of the upper echelon guys? Right. or do it, Like my okay. guys are being drafted on average between like 150 and where's that last guy? Uh, 212. Okay.
1: Some that I really like, I, I, he's not 150, he's 114, but I want to buy back into Luis Castillo this year. I really okay. do. I love what I'm seeing with him. Um, another guy I get every year, but the price is finally going up where it's kind of not, you have to think a little more. I'm always a huge fan of getting a guy like J.A. Happ that late in the draft with that consistency.
0: Okay. Um,
1: I love getting the guys like Rick Porcello, who people don't understand how good he is. I believe it was Jeff Zimmerman put out the player A, player B, Price first Porcello, and Porcello smoked him. People don't realize how good he's been. Um, If I have to add one more, I'll go with one more kind of farther down um, in the pick 200s areas. I think at the price tag you're getting this year compared to last year, I'm looking at guys like, say, Zach Godley or and all the Lopez stuff like that at their price points, but um, that's just kind of early on type stuff.
2: Okay, yeah, I know I kind of put you on the spot. We didn't really talk about this, but I was just scrolling down and I looked at you know the three guys that I have on every single team. The first guy is Nick Pavetta. I love Nick Pavetta. I love the K percentage. I love. Um, how many Ks he gets, I really think he's going to flourish this year. He had a 4. eight ERA, which isn't the best last year, um, but it's decent enough. And on one of our podcasts with uh, with Randy Haynes and Mike L, Mike the Rotocop on Twitter, um, in the middle of the year, I believe it was like May or June, I was like, Nick Pavetta is better than Chris Archer. And Randy Haynes was like, what? No, you're crazy. There's no way. And you better believe I rubbed that in his face the rest of the year. <laughs> so he, he's one of the guys. Um, the next guy I owned on my main event team, I was able to pick him up for $1 after he got sent back down to the minors. He came back up towards the end of the season with lights out, even into the playoffs, and that's Shane Bieber. I love Shane Bieber. I have Bieber, Bieber fever. I uh, just traded for him in the 30 team Dynasty League. I traded Michael Kopek for him and NCRT. So that shows you how much I love him. Um, he stays in the zone. He gets you K's without um, going out of his way to get K's. And he's he's a very good control pitcher. Uh, he's a guy that's, that's great for your SP3, SP4. And as long as he gets that rotation spot, he's he's going to be locked down dynamite. Kind of like his uh, rotation mate last year um, that I had in the NFBC as well. And that's Mike Clevenger. Like, just give him the spot and he's going to perform. Um, And the last guy for me being drafted all the way down at 212 is Forrest Whitley. Um, nice. He's not on the 40-man roster yet, which Randy Haynes did remind me because we are in a couple of those drafts uh, together. But um, I'm like, look, I'm going out of my way to get him. The number one overall pitching prospect in the major leagues going past pick 200. Like, give me that every day of the week. I like the Whitley call a lot. The other ones are, are good too. Um, Pavetta was so
1: good in the second half last year. And so was Bieber. Like there's a lot to like here. And just while you were talking, you know, pick, Pavetta's going 156. There is just a slew of pitchers from 156 on. You got Pavetta, you Darvish, if you hope for a bounce back. we Like we just talked about Strasburg and company. If Darvish gets healthy, you're getting him at pick 157. Like that's potentially scary good. Um, it's scary also, but it's scary good. <laughs> um Guys like Eduardo Rodriguez, Bieber, Burcello, Evaldi, so on and so forth. You got Alex Reyes at pick 174 if he bounces back. Might be in the bullpen, unfortunately, but there's a lot. And he might
2: be getting uh, saves, and that's that's fine. Yeah,
1: there's a ton to like down there for sure. All right, that'll wrap us up, Colin. Uh, A lot of great, great discussion there. Before we do sign off, remind everybody where they can find you and what you got coming off with the boys at Fantasy Benefits.
2: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at cweatherwax 13 uh, Like I said, I got the draft. or FWFB has the draft guide coming out. Um, we're all steady writing our articles, turning them in, uh, getting ready to, to punch that out. Um, so make sure you look out for that on Amazon. Uh, I did the Rangers preview. I hope to be able to do a little inside look on NFBC main event leagues. Um, As long as, you know, my schedule fits right, you know, work and real life kind of gets in the way of fantasy sometimes. Um, But I hope to put that out there for everyone to to read about Uh, coming from a a seasoned veteran in the main event leagues. Um, (laughs) But other than that, yeah, just kind of gearing up for this baseball season, mocking all the time, doing best balls all the time, trying to get all that knowledge packed in my brain and get the football out because it was an awful year for football.
1: Yeah, football sucked, and we were here to talk <laughs> baseball. But uh, yeah, everyone, go check out Colin. He's he's got a lot of great stuff, a lot of great stuff over there. The guys at Friends of Fantasy Benefits, fun guy, super knowledgeable guy, as you can tell. So go check him out on Twitter. And Colin, thanks for joining me, man. Absolutely blast.
2: Yeah, thanks. Appreciate
1: it. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode one thirty six. Colin Weatherwax, friends of Fantasy Benefits, talking fantasy baseball. Catch you guys next time.